You're listening to an irreverent podcast. Visit Irreverent FM for more content from my friends. Hello, hello, and welcome to Bad Words, an evangelical podcast where we give toxic theology the read that it deserves by taking another look at some of the books that haven't given major influence in evangelical Christianity. This season, we are reading Wild at Heart by John Eldridge and Captivating by John and Stacey Eldridge, losing the plot on manhood and womanhood one chapter at a time. I am your host, Janice Legata, and I'll be ripping up this week's chapter with a good member of the Bad Book Club. Co-host, introduce yourself, please. My name is Tim Whitaker. I'm the creator and facilitator of the New Evangelicals. Yeah, this is the work that I do, and I definitely have read Captivating uh, because when I was single and young, I just thought that if I read all the books about women, I would figure out the secrets to life. Excellent. So we'll get started with the reading of the opening paragraph. We'll have a discussion and then hear the closing paragraph and send you on your way. For additional context and conversation and the option to listen to these episodes with no ads, I invite you to join the people of Jod by becoming a Jodly or Jod-willing patron on Patreon. But either way, I'm happy you're here and I hope you're ready because without further ado, let's get into... Captivating. Chapter 9. When it comes to the subject of loving a man, any of the men in your life, we need far more than a chapter. A book would barely feel sufficient. The issues are often murky, and things can get really muddy as time goes by. But we cannot pass over this either. It's far too important. Too many questions linger here for most women. So we will try and lay out in this chapter the deeper issues, and trust the Holy Spirit to help you with the application. Too many books offer techniques and tips and rules without explaining the issues of the heart that lie behind them. You are a woman, after all, not a child. Your heart can figure this out. So you, you've already said you have read this book before. So you, I mean, you were an Eldridge boy. Oh, yeah. You have Wild at Heart right there. Oh, um, it gets worse. You you hear, captivating. Do you, you want to hear worse? I have worse than, than yeah. just this. And again, I mean, let, let's put this in context, okay, just for the record, right? So I grew up in evangelical mm-hmm. spaces. I was homeschooled. So when you're an adolescent, when you're a young teenager, even young adult, you're really just a part of a culture that, that you just don't know any better, right? And so you're just doing what you think you should be doing. And of course, these kinds of books really play on like the masculine, feminine uh, binary that, that they're built on. And for a lot of people, they, they at least feel like they're tapping into something about them, right? So reading Wild at Heart at 18 with my testosterone flowing through me, I'm like, yes, I want to storm buildings and capitals, which obviously now we know, uh, you know led to some pretty dangerous ideologies uh, in, right, you know, on January right. 6th. But the idea was that, you know, I want to be a warrior and be tough and, and, and you know, Find the poor beauty who who is just, you know, a victim of some other person I have to go rescue because they definitely can't rescue themselves. So one time, I had to be 16, we were watching Braveheart. That, that's another, that's another yes. rite of passage for, for, for mm-hmm. white adolescent evangelical men, boys. And yeah. uh, my three friends and I had a Braveheart ceremony and all gave each other the Braveheart sword. <laughs> that I had for a long, 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 long time hanging over my bed. And it wasn't the small one. It was the real life, you know, six foot tall, you need two hands to wield it, one. So, yep, I've done it. That is both awesome and terrifying. (laughs) I, I feel like that's a whole... That's a whole conversation. That's a whole podcast in itself. Just how Braveheart became like this evangelical movie. Because it wasn't just guys. Like it was, it was like a church thing. And I don't understand how. Because 
at the same time, these are the same people who have like their grown ass adolescents watching Veggie Tales, <laughs> and like everything is so censored. And like Braveheart has all the things in it, all the things. But somehow, it became like this Christian movie. So there's yep. that. Yep. John Eldridge loves a movie, especially Braveheart. Yes. So that's that's littered all throughout, especially Wild at Heart, but it also makes appearances in Captivating. So that, but that's that's like fascinating that you guys have this whole ceremony around it as like a thing. Uh, upon reflecting with with my lens now, I think it was our best way of trying to form a community. Right, we called it brotherhood. Uh, the idea that we're there for each other, the, the idea that we're on a mission together to go do something epic and just wild, which actually is, I think, is more of like our culture's sensationalizing of of mythic stories, right? Of like these uh, grand mm-hmm. adventures that people go on, thanks to our movie culture and stuff. So I think a lot of that seeps into this without us even knowing it as as adolescent boys, uh, and it just plays on that idea of like. You know, we're going to be that William Wallace type, and we're going to find a beauty in the forest and make love to her while, you know, like just like things that are just really, you know, outlandish and, and are not, at least in 2022, right? Normal lived experiences. But I think it plays into that sense of like something else beyond reality. Uh, and it almost kind of creates a weird dualism. Again, this is all thinking about upon it now, like many years later. But I think the heart of what, at least in my circles, I was trying to do was just to have real friends and community knowing that I would be taken care of and that I could be part of a community that was trying to take care of other people, even though it was obviously there's a lot of problems with the ideology that, that we're going to unpack in, in, in this discussion. But I think that was kind of the heartbeat ultimately. Yeah. Okay. And so what happened to that sword? I don't know. And it kind of makes me upset because I would love to have it along with, with my Braveheart book that I keep for reference, to be like, see, look, I'm not <laughs> kidding. I used to have this. I, I, so I don't know where it went. I really don't. Uh, and honestly, there are still days where I'm like, damn it, I wish I had that thing just to have it, right? It's just one of those like, yeah, this is a part of my life, and I just have to sit with this, right? <laughs> so, but unfortunately, I don't know where it is. Maybe it's on eBay somewhere. I, I don't know. <laughs> All right, so you were you were that guy. I don't even I, reading this book. There's so much. There's so mm. much to unpack. So much to say. Mm. I don't even know where to start. Mm. Um, mm. It and especially in talking <laughs> talking with you. And this is this is the women's book. One of the one of the issues I one of the many issues I have with it is that it is allegedly written by John and Stacy. Mm-hmm. They're not really clear on who's writing what, when, and where. And so, for me, I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure 90% of this is John. And then Stacy sprinkles in some whatever, whatever here. But I guess kind of kind of what I want to focus on with you, hmm. or the directions I'm thinking in are, one, Christian nationalism, huh? how these books really seeded. A lot of that, like, again, as an adolescent boy, you didn't know, but so much of that ideology is is in here. And then there's this idea that I've been seeing, seeing a lot on TikTok lately, but just this idea that men are basically homoerotic in a lot of ways because men are taught to respect other men, listen to other men, value the opinions of other men, and all women are really for 
it's sex basically like mm. they don't they don't really have value relationships with women don't really see women as equal like yes you know and there's a part in this chapter where it even says like masculinity can only be you know inferred or given by by masculinity masculinity is bestowed by masculinity and there's all these warnings against like men you cannot find your worth in women and to one extent you're like okay that's i can see how that idea could be good but the way this book comes across to me i'm like it very much does put women as just this thing to be you're just this thing this decoration this ornament basically here to be beautiful and then everything a man really needs, he's going to need to get from other men. And if he hasn't gotten that, isn't getting that, then that's where a lot of the issues, you know, in your relationship are going to gonna come from. Mm-hmm. So those, those are my thoughts, but I'm way ahead right now. So I don't... Tim, what, what chapter did you have and what was it about? Yeah, well, I was going to say, thanks for giving me this chapter, Janice. I really appreciate it. I had chapter nine, arousing Adam. Thank you. I had to read the word arouse an uncomfortable amount of times in this chapter. And then, and then there How do you also, think I felt? Yeah. Like, I don't want to be aroused by this book. Like, leave me alone. Now, 18-year-old me is like, ooh, aroused by Adam. Like, sex. This is exciting. So it is fun, I guess, thinking about how I would used to see this book at age 18 before I got married, you know, and had Mm -hmm. a couple kids. And I, I think that one thing that's worth pointing out is that I do agree with you where it's like there are some things I read where I'm like, okay, I understand the spirit behind this. That could be helpful, but it's framed in a very unhelpful way that, like you said, really leads to a hyper-dualist approach of men can only embrace masculinity, women can only embrace femininity. There, there isn't a spectrum that's possible in, 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 in either one of the sexes, right? And also, they work a specific way. And if you don't put them this way, they're never going to work properly, right? So it's not that I read the chapter and I'm like, oh my God, everything here is shit. But there were, there were some points where I'm like, okay, yeah, this is helpful. I, I can think about how, this is, how my wife and I have navigated this in my own life. But then there's moments where I'm like, no, this is not the only way to exist. And also, that sounds really freaking harmful, you know, uh, put in the way that they put it, right? So I think that's important to, just to mention because, at least I'm just being honest about me, I think that I, I could be an extreme person where it's like, no one, this, nothing this person ever said is, is, is at all maybe possibly helpful in any context, right? Versus like, this is all perfect. There's no problems here. Obviously, this is a problematic book. I don't recommend this book. I don't think anyone should read this book. We all understand that. Uh, but yeah, like you said, there were parts where I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe that's a helpful way of putting it. But then, but then a sentence later, you're like, oh, my God, that is a horrible <laughs> application that is going to lead to a lot of damage for a lot of people. Specifically, you know, queer folks, right? Folks maybe right. Who, who, who choose to be single, uh, women. Mm-hmm. So, yes, certainly this is, this is not a helpful book overall. <laughs> yeah. As we yeah. arouse Adam. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Who names chapters that way? <laughs> and I will say for, yeah, for, for every other every other chapter i just just scheduled it just according on when people could record so like there was no yeah it was all random except this chapter (laughs) with you (laughs) and i didn't even know for sure what it was about but i just saw that title and i said i want to talk about this with tim 
So I'm, I'm truly honored, Janice. Thank you for bringing me on for for arousing as we arouse Adam together. I guess I don't know what the, how to say oh. it. Jesus. Oh. <laughs> Well, I do have like like here's here's one example of a quote that like in the beginning that I read where I'm like okay yeah this is really unhelpful. So this is talking about how you know one of the framing of the cha- the framing of the chapter is how femininity can arouse masculinity and and therefore mm-hmm. women should 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 bring out the best in their men, right? And so there's there's this quote where it says and I just preface you know it's just gross in a lot of the language so I'm just <laughs> you know it's very cringe. So if you're driving, try to keep driving straight. Uh, if you're listening, maybe maybe fast forward. I don't know. She makes him feel like a man. She offers him her beauty, and it makes him feel strong. This is also the root of most affairs. Some woman comes oh. along and offers to answer his question. His wife has been giving him an F, and she comes along and says, you're an A to me, and he's history. If he hasn't found that deep validation he needs from God, he's a sitting duck. You know, listen, I, we, we, do, we all do our best not to make things say what they're not saying, but this quote, even in the context, is incredibly problematic. You know, uh, well, if your husband uh, cheated on you, you just weren't, what, sexual enough, alluring enough? You didn't affirm him enough? And I, I think this is a good example of how – we can use my wife and I, right? I have told my wife before, hey, I'm an, I, I really – it helps to be encouraged, and I want to make sure, make sure I, I encourage you. And how do we have that in our relationship? Like I'm, I'm a words affirmation, affirmation person, so it's helpful to hear that, right? I've had to communicate that it's just – just, it just, it's nice to know. And also, how can I make sure you, you feel appreciated? But if I if – I, if that – if my wife didn't affirm me how I think I should be affirmed, and I cheated on her, and I go, well, you didn't affirm me, that's, that's just not going to fly. That shit's just not gonna. That's just not a good take, you know. And ultimately, it's not my wife's job, right, to make me feel like the man I think I should feel like, thanks to books like this, right? Again, that's different than having a heart to heart and expressing just how you're wired, and maybe something that helps you, right, as far as your own humanity. That's different than you have to always be validating me a specific way. And if you don't, and I cheat on you, well. Well, you know, <laughs> is it really my fault? That just sounds problematic to me. <laughs> it is, and especially because, again, so much of this book, it like it literally says, masculinity bestows masculinity. Like you cannot, you cannot get your worth from a woman. And then I had it in the notes in one of these margins, but I have so many notes in these margins, I can't even find But I was like, I don't, I don't, it's like a catch-22, because I, as a woman, can't, can't be your validation, can't really be your affirmation. You have to get that from other men. You have to get that from your father. If you didn't get that from your father, you're kind of screwed, so you got to get that from God. But then at the same time, I'm being held responsible right. if I'm not affirming you enough. Like, I was like, I don't know what, I don't even know what women are supposed to do here because. Yes, that is such a good point. Because when you read these kinds of books, it is so jumbled. Like, okay, I'm supposed to find a wife who validates me and, well, not validate, who inspires me and who, you know, invites me into being a better man, which is the same thing, okay? But also, like, only my father can give me that affirmation. And if, I, if, if my father was shitty, then I have to pray and ask God to give it to me supernaturally. And then that will fix my problem that I'm, not, that I'm trying to find in women. But also as a woman, you know, you have to be the person to like, you know, affirm me 
and, and invite me into seducing you. I mean, that's kind of what they talk about here. So right. it is a lot of things at once that, again, it all falls to ultimately you as the woman are really here for me and you have to unlock my potential. And in a response to that of you unlocking my potential, I will make you feel safe and cared for and secure and beautiful because that's all you really care about right janice that that (laughs) some strong man just makes you feel those things and you let us have that career right to provide right right (laughs) but at the same time because the premise of the whole book right is that the question of women is am i lovely like that's all that's that is my life question yeah i'm sure Um, (laughs) and I'm trying to get that from you, but again, I can't really get that from you because that's too much pressure for you. Too much. Can't so handle I it. have to get that from God, but also <laughs> it's my responsibility to provide that for you because you need that. Like, it's just, again, I'm like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do here. Right. I know I'm doing it wrong. <laughs> I know that for sure. <laughs> well, I okay, so here, here's another quote to kind of bolster this idea that, that it seems like that these two authors really believe this. What makes this seem so natural, especially for women, is that Eve was made for Adam. Then they quote the oh. Bible. It is not good for man to be alone. I will make an easer, whatever the word is for him, a helper. Eve was literally, and then it says Eve was literally fashioned from the rib taken out of Adam's side. So we're really reading a mythology of sorts that does have very deep and complicated meaning. No one's going to dispute that. They're actually beautiful stories in Genesis 1 and 2. And we're we're putting them through the fundamentalist lens of evangelicalism and then drawing the case for how you, Janice, were made for some man out there, uh, ultimately, to really, again, unlock who we as men are. And I think that, 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 that the, we reciprocate that by making you feel beautiful and honored and secure. I mean, that, that seems to be the cycle that I can make out of it. But also somewhere in there, you can't fully rely on me to always make you feel that way and vice versa. So ultimately, I have, you have to get that romantic feeling from God. I mean, it even says that in the, I have to find the quote, but it, it makes that, that connection. And then I have to find... You know, I have to find my validation that I have what it takes. I mean, that's a very John, that's a very uh, John Elridge thing in Wild at Heart, right? That men have what it yep. takes. We're trying to answer this question. So ultimately, God gives it to us, but you, we both help each other feel that way. I guess, like when we don't feel that way, I don't know. I mean, he, here's the quote, just so you know. That is why we speak of romance with Him, God, first. It comes first. It must. It has to. Adam is far too unreliable source. Amen. So you have to be romantic with God, which is kind of gross. It's weird. gross. It's so yeah. gross. Like yeah. the chapter, the whole chapter before before this is romanced. So it's all about like romance with God. And then I was like, I just have so many, I have so many issues with Christian theology, evangelical theology. Is, is I'm like, it's just weird. Like God, you can be my father or my lover. You cannot be both. Right. Like, <laughs> right. right. And I think like like right. in all of these things, like sounds you like can't, a groomer. You, Right. I'm like, you can't hold this kind of theology and it not become harmful. Like, if you are trying to justify how how is God my father, he's also my brother because he's Jesus, and then he's also my lover and he's my bridegroom, that is sick. Like, you can't, you can't, you can't be all these things to me and right. me be normal. Like... <laughs> Right. I mean, is God my lover? Am I supposed to be romantic with God? Isn't that like totally against what they believe as as evangelicals? And I also, I mean, the the, the question I, and this, I've always, 
always have asked this question, even before you know I, I am where I am. I've always thought, like, well, how do you do that with with, with an invisible, what seems to be non physical, right, or like even sometimes non sentient being? Like, I don't hear from God in my head, you know. Right. So, what is that like? Do I have to pray more? Do I start, you know, burning incense? Like, what does it mean to have God validate me practically? I mean, it sounds nice until you're like, well, okay, God, am I a man? And you hear silence. So it, it doesn't. It, it just doesn't. It, it, it never. Even in my in these wild at heart captivating days, I never understood how one actually does that. Does that make sense? Yeah, <laughs> it totally. <laughs> but but that part that you just read, you know, Eve was made for Adam, and I just underlined said, I do not like this. But it it uh, I don't like the whole mythology of creation can be so beautiful in some ways, but I'm like I don't understand. You can't have you can't have it both ways. So you cannot, on one hand, say, "Okay, creation was building and is building and is building, and God is making things better and better and better." And then we're getting to the height. So then we get to man. It is good. Man should not be alone. So then God makes something else. So the woman is the last thing created, as far as we know. And if we're going with this idea that creation is getting more intricate and better and closer to God and all of that, then it seems like women would be at the top of like. We should be the top. We're we're the ultimate. We're at we're the top of the hierarchy here. Yes. But then we flip everything. We say, oh no 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 no. <laughs> you were just this additional supplement. This thing he forgot. So you were made for something else. That's a great point because in this book, I remember one of the points that really stuck with me is when they say that Eve is the pinnacle of creation. They say that it was Eve is the last thing or being to be created and eve is is the symbol for ultimate beauty and romance and love and you know that kind of thing and then you're right but then later on in the book they say hey you were created just to be for man <laughs> like so you're no longer the pinnacle you're not what i should be striving for you should just no. be trying to help me unlock my master potential and again i'll then and, and therefore i'll make you feel more beautiful right so okay. like it is a very i never thought about that before till you said it that's such a great point like you can't tell me anything but make it make sense and you can't <laughs> just add these caveats at the end oh no 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 it was building and then god just forgot and then he just added this little right side piece literal side piece right. <laughs> <laughs> Eve, man, side piece. The original side piece. <laughs> oh right man! There. I mean, you know, I think this. I think this highlights some. Of the, I think this highlights the danger with the Bible inherently. And when you start putting words like God's word, it's it, it is God's word to us. It is infallible. It's inerrant. What you start doing is you start taking creation mythologies that come from a specific culture and time. Right, trying to point towards some kind of understanding of the world around them. And then you take it and you go, well, no, this is literally how Adam and Eve were formed. You know, Adam literally fell asleep and God took a rib out of Adam's side. And then, I mean, that's just not the, we know, thanks to just what we know about science and the world, that's not how humanity has originated, right? And that's okay because the Bible's not trying to tell us that. But when you put those categories on the, on the Bible, we end up with very strange beliefs and, and ways of seeing the world that we know don't make sense, but because it's the Bible, people just take it for what it is. And it, it creates a lot of a lot of harm, I think, ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. So I 
this book I mean this book this book is weird <laughs> both of the books but this one uh, I don't even know if it's specifically or just because I'm thinking about it at the moment but they're both very very sexual and like like cringy like arrested development you know where they all these just saying all these weird things where I don't think they mean to in the moments and you're like run that back and like <laughs> see if you hear how that sounds on one hand but then at the on the other hand when it comes to like actual sex they're like so scared of it and they're like weird and like don't want to say things about like I think it's in the first chapter where Stacy's talking about all the different things like women women can turn to if they're not if they're not getting the validation they need you know we have our secret little lovers and it'll oh. be things like shopping and watching too much TV. she literally lists all these things and the only thing not on the list is like actual lovers like right. like sex like right, right. like women will turn to everything else right. but like if i'm not getting what i need from men the one thing i'm not going to turn to right. is like if right. I'm if I'm out here seeking and desperate for the attention and the love and the romance of men, right. I'm gonna turn to men. Like right. I'm not saying right. that's all women turn to, but that should be on the list. Right. And or self-love or porn. I mean, you know, women turn to those right. things, right? No, like, no, no. <laughs> men do. Men, right. like men. That's Pornography my is their biggest, biggest addiction. Yeah, it has to be. That so he true. said it's the number one, you know, for every <laughs> every man's battle, right? But like sex is not not on the table for like women like that's just not a thing we could turn to but then at the same like i said they're so weird about all these other just little inferred stuff you're like this is so cringy because this is uh, it's gross can, can i read a gross one be, i have a please, gross one yes <laughs> go for it all right all right everyone out there especially you ladies <laughs> So this is an actual quote from the chapter about arising, arousing Adam, and and just just see if maybe you pick up on some things. So here, this is uh, them describing uh, the wedding night. So we're really in for a treat here. Think of a woman on her wedding night. She dims the lights and puts on silky a silky something that accentuates the loveliness of her body, reveals the beauty of her naked form. Yet also leaves something yet to be unveiled. She puts on her perfume and lipstick and checks her hair. She allures her man. She hopes to arouse him and invite him to come to her and enter her. <laughs> sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. In an act of stunning vulnerability, she takes life's greatest risk. This is the greatest risk. Offering her unveiled beauty to him, opening herself up to him oh. in every way. Here we go. And as for her man, if he does not rise to the occasion... <laughs> Nothing will happen. Yes, that, that can be true. There will be no consummation of love, no life conceived, unless the man is able to offer his strength to his woman. That is how we make love. Femininity is what arouses his masculinity. His strength is what makes women yearn to be beautiful. Uh, I have to go shower. That is worse than pornography. I'm going to take a hard shower. That is terrible. <laughs> it's so... And listen... I have not had a honeymoon. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe that is how it goes down. But I mean, that just feels like a lot. Listen, I can tell you because my, my, my wife and I, play, we went through this playbook pretty much. We waited to have sex until we were married. 
So we, we, we made an agreement that no matter how tired we were, we were, we were going to have sex on our wedding night. And honestly, our sex was good for our first time. I was shocked. We, we were both pleasantly surprised. She was happy. I was happy. I'm really happy to hear that for both of us. You know, but I think that my issue with this kind of – my, my issue with this paragraph is it, it's the language. Like it's so over – Romanticized. It's so hyperbolic, right? It's so sensationalized. And I, I think, to be honest with you, one of the things that I realized, like when my wife and I first slept together, I remember thinking like, oh, like I, I'm still the same person. Like it wasn't some magical, oh, wow, I just had no clue about life until I had sex finally. Like my life is so different. All my problems are fixed. That's not how it went down. But you read stuff like this at age 18, you're like, wow, it just sounds so romantic and passionate and life-changing. And again, it was, it was good. We both enjoyed the sex that we had. Uh, but it wasn't this, you know, like, wow, I was seeing in black and white and now I'm seeing in color. It wasn't like that. Does that make sense? Yeah. And everyone's yeah. experience is different. That was just ours. And it, and it's so, again, it is so hyperbolic and so sensationalist. And it's also very male, male-centered because even this yes. whole thing about if he yes. does not rise to the occasion, <laughs> penetrative sex is not the be-all and end-all. It's not great if there's not a lot of warm-up before that so it's like i don't know just this idea that oh she's gonna get naked he's on it and we're just just going for it like right it can happen sure but also there's a lot there's a lot of other things you can do and there's a lot of other ways totally to have like like this is not this is not all that sex is and, and I, I think, to be fair, so I'll, I'll just share two honest thoughts if you're cool with that. Number one, I do think that is a fair critique of pornography, which oftentimes depicts sex like that, right? Where, you know, mm-hmm. you just walk into a room and someone's ready to go and there's like two kisses and you're just, you're going at it. Not helpful, especially for younger minds. When you're a teenager, pornography should not be shaping how you view sex. And, and it can be very dehumanizing, right. et cetera. So... So I think that that's a very fair critique of, of, of a very – maybe like porn-obsessed uh, culture where it's so easily accessible. Also, I want to mention that you know when uh, there was a time – Sarah and I were married for maybe two or three years. And I got hit with a really heavy wave of like anxiety and panic and, and depression. I was not sexually in the mood. I could not perform. And the first time I couldn't, I was like, oh my god. Like am I even a man? Like I was – I felt so terrified – and so embarrassed. And I'm not going to say that, you know, while the heart set me up to fail directly, but this type of language, right, where because I was totally not in a healthy space mentally and, and there's a connection to your body and your mental state and I couldn't get things going how I thought that they should be going, right? And Sarah was totally fine. She totally understood. I thought, oh, my God, like I'm failing as a man where I can't just be that macho dude who just, you know, takes over. And like you said, there are other ways to, to create connection sexually that do not include penetrative sex that are also beautiful and bonding. So it's not so much that that maybe, oh, this this idea is automatically bad. It's that when they present it as the only way where true sex happens, where true intimacy happens, that's when I think things get really unhelpful. Right. And especially because this automatically knocks queer relationships out. Yes. Yes. Completely. Yes. It's just... There's yeah. no space for that at all. Yes. And it bonds the feminine and masculine to specific sexes, right? And, and, and okay, as a man, I have to embody all the masculine, uh, whatever, right. whatever that even means in our cultural 
moment. You know, this does fluctuate a little bit. You know, but my wife has to always embrace the feminine. So if she's not beautiful on our on our wedding night, right? Like how she thinks she is, or I don't think she's supposed to be. All of a sudden, we have a problem. So it's that plus, like you said, there's no room for healthy queer relationships to flourish in this framework. Right. Yeah. So it's everything, everything to do with sex in both of these books is wildly wild. Um, yeah, it's just not helpful. I mean, if you don't, am I talking too much? You just unlocked all these yep. repressive thoughts I've had for a long time. And since we're talking about it, might as well just keep going. But I even remember in Wild at Heart how he talks about his wife. Like he says in the book, you know, if my wife shows me a little bit of breasts, I'm ready for action kind of thing, right? <laughs> and I'm 18 years old. Like, oh my God, I'm just going to be horny all the time when I'm married. We're going to have crazy sex. And of course, being newlyweds and being first time lovers, there was a lot of that passion. But, you know, when as you're, as as life kind of hits you or you have kids, right? Suddenly, like, my wife's breastfeeding, I'm not turned on, which is normal, by the way, and good. Uh, but, you know, you just start thinking, like, well, wait a second. If, if this book I read as, at 18 and he's been married for a long time and he's always sexually ready to go and attracted and I'm not, is something wrong with me now? Like, am I not working properly? So I just think it, 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 it sets up for unhealthy expectations as, as a long-term monogamous relationship might take different shapes as, as you both grow and learn. You're not prepared to handle that because what you read is passion, lingerie, bring out the beauty. You know, it's like my wife's breastfeeding. She's not in the mood. Therefore, I'm not in the mood. We have two kids. We're up all night. Like, it just ain't happening like that. Are we broken? No, you're just going through a different season of life right now, right? So I think that's important to recognize. Yeah. It's like a therapy session for me. Thanks, Janice. So you read this book because you wanted to get into women's minds. No, you know, what women want, what, how, to, how to get a Christian woman. Yeah. I guess it worked for you. Because you, <laughs> how old were you when you got married? We've been married for six years now. So what, I was like 28. It was a little bit later on in my life. And Sarah's agnostic now. So, you know, it didn't really work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 Yeah, I'm fascinated because reading this, nothing in here, and this is, you know, a huge compliment to Sarah, nothing, not, like nothing in here made me think of Sarah. I just don't get that vibe from her. So, I don't know how, how much of a captivating, like proper captivating woman <laughs> was she back then? Yeah. When did, and because like the fact that she's agnostic now and you're... You know, you're on your journey and you're doing whatever. But, like, that that's not even allowed. Your woman shouldn't have even been allowed to have these kind of thoughts and get that far. So I'm like, how did you – how? How, Tim? How did that, that man, that young yeah. man who read that book, to find that woman – Yeah. find Sarah? That's a great question because my wife is – very much introverted. She's alt. She's so creative. She anything she does, she does. It's. It, I get mad at her for it. I'm like, you just started doing this and you're kicking ass. Whatever it is, crochet done. Nail designs like for painting nails done. She made clay earrings. Sold a ton of them. She's just so good. And she, you know, she is obviously. I I find her attractive and we get along really well. But yeah, she's not. It's funny you say this. Wow, you're, you're unlocking so many memories <laughs> in my head. When, when, when we first started dating, I actually wrote a blog post about this. I used to blog back in the day. And I mentioned that, like, Sarah is not the person that I made up in my head. 
uh, she's a real human being. <laughs> And the person I made up in my head that that was shaped by books like this and other books like For Men Only, For Women Only, right, this kind of thing, uh, doesn't really exist. She doesn't exist, but Sarah does, and I love being with her. Sarah and I have had to learn to navigate how, how we work in a relationship together. Like, I'll give you one example of this. Sarah is very much like, hey, I don't care about finances. Take care of them. Just tell me, tell me what the budget is. I'm totally fine with that. Now, if she was different, that'd be fine too. But she just asked me to kind of take care of finances because I'm good with my money. No problem. But the other night, because again, we have two kids under two right now, and it's, it could be a lot. I told her, I said, listen, when it comes to the kids, like I just trust your instincts right now better than mine. So I need you to lead this part. Like, I, I, I have to follow you here. I just don't always know what our six-month-old might need. And you're with him more often than, not, than I am due to this work I'm doing. So I trust you to lead here. So please start leading. Now, she's not – I say that because she's not someone who thinks like that. But I'm trying to communicate to her, like, listen, I don't want to lead this. Like, I don't want to be in control of that. Please take over. Now, that's not a very, you know, a wild at heart type of man, right, who's like, no, no, don't worry. I'll lead everything correctly. I'll unlock your inner beauty. Especially with the boys. <laughs> yeah, especially with the boys. Don't want hyper-feminized boys being raised by their mother uh god forbid <laughs> and, and, and that's just part of part of it's because of just a our, our skill sets work that way but also uh, right now i my work is what sustains us financially so i so she, so i'm doing a lot of this work during the day anyway so i say all that because yes i i think i realized pretty early on in my mid-20s like early 20s like you know you have to be you have to reno, re, renegotiate who you make who who have you designed in your head as like this perfect woman versus like reality and also what you think you might need versus what you actually might need in a, in a monogamous partner and also what you can offer that person. And you know, Sarah and I started dating. It just really, it felt great, even though, like you said, she would not even, you know, she would read this book and be like, this is disgusting. Absolutely not. And even, even sexually, she's not someone who's always like an initiator. Right. And that kind of felt odd for me versus like me. And I, you know, I'm, I'm very sensitive to that. Like even when I was younger, I'm like this whole idea. And I grew up in, in I grew up in compliment, complimentarian spaces. Mm-hmm. I always thought that was disgusting. Even when I was hyper fundy, I was like this idea of submit. Oh, I, I hated the word hated using it and I, I never saw my relationship with someone as me leading i just i i was always more of a tag team let's do it together let's let's just be in communication i've always been wired that way and i think for a sex relationship you know sexually you have expectations that like i have to always initiate or she should always be trying to seduce me and like we just had to work through that you know like what do we like what don't we like i mean i'll give you one example in the book actually the book talks about this, about like different types of women and, and like how they initiate sex. And it says, yes. can you imagine what it would be like if a young bride took the approach toward her new husband that so many women take in other matters? Imagine her getting out her day planner and asking, when would you like to have sex this week, the efficient woman? Let me just pause you right there, author. Have you ever had kids? Okay. Have you ever had freaking kids? So I'll tell you right now, Sarah and I on more than one occasion have said, okay, this Friday night, put on the calendar. Kids are going to grandparents. We need time. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Right. That's just that could just be part of life sometimes where you just have to have that communication of, yes, let's actually schedule time for ourselves, times for our for us to be intimate. And so like I read that, I'm just like, what world are you living in? What world is this person living in? You know? And one last thing I'll I'll shut up because you you asked me this. I think it's so unhealthy. 
I think that so many times these kinds of books put such an unfair burden on women to do everything. They have to take care of the kids. They have to raise the kids. They have to let children breastfeed and then be available to their husband on a whim's notice when they want their body back. You know, <laughs> like it's right. so unhealthy to be like, oh my God, I have to love my kids and then be available sexually for my husband whenever he wants and also always be in the mood and also always look pretty and also clean the house and also make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm arousing my Adam. It's like, that is ridiculous. <laughs> that is way too much of a burden. You're going you're gonna to hurt someone with that. And I think a lot of women end up getting hurt because they find themselves in, in – they, 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 they played the playbook and they're like, oh, my god. I'm miserable. I, my, I, I had no libido because I had these kids, right? And right. Like, my husband is disappointed in me and I just feel blah, 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 blah. So I just think that's what, what this stuff can set people up for, which can create a lot of harm. Sorry for the rant. You asked. There you go. I did ask. And that that was another one of the little sections I highlighted because, it yeah, the day planner, the other one, I suppose you'll want to have sex tonight. Let's get it over with early. But, like, all this stuff is so heightened. Like, I can't imagine being like, oh, actually, I do have a lot to do in the morning. Could we do this now? Can we, right. can we get this out? Like, for a book for women, it doesn't, like, it doesn't take women into account. Like, I remember this one time... I was I was coming home and it was like late at night and I don't I don't even remember I don't think I was coming from anywhere like special I think I was just so what like I was just in normal clothes doing whatever got in the elevator there's this creepy guy in the elevator and he was like oh like you're really it was not a great interaction he's like oh like you're really pretty are you you going home you have a boyfriend I was like yeah he's like oh like he's lucky like he gets to have sex with you tonight and it was like late and i just remember thinking like this is welcome to womanhood and just like you know the inappropriate stuff you just have to put off so i wasn't even in the moment kind of thinking about just like the just the aggression of that like i was literally like that i have to go to work in the morning like, i don't even have time for that like i'm i'm so like i'm thinking about like have sex with someone tonight that's like, fair there, these are the things that go through your mind. These are things that have to be taken into account and to like have this whole paragraph where you're just downing the different ways women might approach sex. Who is this for? Well, because... and can we also say that, that sometimes men think this too, right? Like there's been times where I'm like, oh my God, like if we're going to do it tonight, I have to, you know, get ready. I'll make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm showered nice and clean, right? And then I have to think about it afterwards and I have to be up at five o'clock in the morning. So that's like four hours of sleep. And, but again, the first time I thought that, I'm thinking, oh my God, where's my sex drive? Am I, is this not right? Because as a man, I'm supposed to always be craving sex 24-7. So now all of a sudden I'm not. <laughs> so I get it. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Right. Yes. But it's like these books are written in like these weird vacuums Yes. That people, this is not real life. People, this isn't, what world are you writing this in? <laughs> right. Well, and don't forget the, the, the last one or the more direct challenge. That was a pretty poor performance last <laughs> night. You want to try it again? The demanding woman demanding that, 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 that your lover is sexually satisfied. What's, if my wife, ta- I swear to God, Janice, because I am a giver, okay? I'm very, I want to make sure that my wife is taken care of and happy. I, if my wife said, 
hey, you know, whatever. It, it wasn't my it wasn't my favorite. I'd be like, oh, like I'm so sorry. What can we do better? What can I adjust? I want when you're happy, I'm happy, right? That's normal. That is freak. If you cannot satisfy your partner in the way that is 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 healthy for both of you, right? It's not wrong to take the feedback and say, yeah, well, how can I adjust things so that way you're also happy and that way we, we have a better relationship in the bedroom, like normal. But in this book, that's the demanding woman. How dare you ask how dare? for that? How dare? Yeah. <laughs> Some audacity. <laughs> 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 but everything is so heightened because all yes. all of these are legit examples, but all of them are like taking this extreme negative slant where like these women don't know how to like women are. Yes. Yes. Women can be mean, obviously, but sure. for the most part, especially if you're in a relationship that you're trying to make it work. We're going to be so gentle with this shit and like trying to, we're not coming at it with this aggression and it's just like, no, like, okay, how can we make this work? All right, I'm tired. I've got to do this in the morning, but we can fit it in here. Totally. Or, hey, let's try something else. Like, we're not just going to come out like, well, that was uh, two out of ten. So... Yeah, yeah, you just yell, <laughs> fail, in their face once it's over. Like, dang it, I didn't pass the test again. You know? Right, and then there's that F, and then there you go having your affair, because... <laughs> yeah, that. right, I mean, you are, Janice, you're on the money. You're, you're on the money, and, and this book paints these extreme pictures of, you know, if you stand up for yourself, or if you communicate how you're feeling, or maybe that you're not in the mood... Right, you're you're either going to be the efficient woman because you want to actually make sure that you're meant to have time to prepare. And you know, listen, for some people, they want they want to get scheduled, right? So I'm like, hey, it helps me mentally to know, okay, this is going to happen. Then I, I I get myself in the mood. It's a better time, normal. But in this book, you're the efficient woman. Or you know, if you want to just do it tonight quickly because you're tired, uh, you're uh, you know what is it, the busy woman. And if you were not satisfied in bed, you are the demanding. You're demanding, woman. you are demanding. Wow. <laughs> Jeez. And they talk about the the scandalous woman of the Bible. Oh. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And gives these four examples. So you got Mary, Ruth, Rahab, and Tamar. <laughs> And then again, like I said, they're so weird about sex and like real things. Because then they said, Tamar's story is difficult and beautiful. One, we haven't time. We don't have time for it here. But you can read about it in Genesis 38. And then they say, she uses cunning in the face of men who are failing her badly in order to expose their sin and invite, not demand, them to come through. And I'm like, and there's that word again, this demanding. Like, you can do anything, be anything, say anything, but you cannot be demanding. Yes. And that's that's what you're getting from Tamar's story? Right. But we don't have time. We don't have time for that. Right, right. No more words available. (laughs) Right. How? It's just not possible. (laughs) We don't know who's writing this book, but they don't have the words for this. Yes. Rahab is another scandalous story. Again, they do not mention her her job title right they just gloss over all of that right then they talk about ruth and then clean up her story and no no i don't think sex happened um but then at the same time i'm like i don't if i'm going to take this if i'm going to take these biblical stories and i don't think the bible is a is a good place to get a sexual ethic it's just not 
But if I'm going to follow this story of Ruth, it's going to lead to some things you do not want people to do. So right. you use the story, but again, just like with Eve, <laughs> we're going to we're going to set the story up, but then we're going to twist it at the end to make it fit our agenda. Yep. So do everything Ruth did, but don't do what Ruth did, really. Exactly, because they say, you know, that that that, that was it. Boaz got drunk, and mm -hmm. Ruth slept by his feet, which is in their in their mind a euphemism. Right for right. for them, you know. Messing now the around. Bible's not literal, right? Right, right, <laughs> exactly. So assuming that's the case, and they say we're not saying you should have sex before you're married, right? So you're that's such a good point where where they have to clean up the Bible by their own standard of reading it literally. Because you're right, the Bible is really first off, the Bible is a collection of books, and it's complicated and messy, and it's a lot of examples of maybe what not to do <laughs> sometimes, right? <laughs> but because of the of the framework that they're operating in, they're trying to make it seem edgy, like. See, look, guys, the Bible's edgy, but not too edgy. It's not too edgy, but it's kind of edgy. But it's not as edgy as we think you should be going with your boyfriend. But also, our own euphemism says that it is. But we, but you still you shouldn't do that. But don't do that. But do it. Right. But don't do it. Right, right. Get exactly. Close, but don't. Right. But don't do it. And then let God romance you. Next page. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> Absolutely. But do all that. But then it goes on to tell, to talk about the horse whisperer. The oh, yeah. Enchanted, enchanted April. <laughs> and he spends like a solid page and a half just on Enchanted April, a movie I have never seen. Talking about these four women. But, like, but you don't have time to talk about Tamar? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you're going to pull in this movie. You've just named four women from the Bible and just glossed over their stories. And now you're going to use pages to talk about four fictional women in a movie I haven't seen. I don't, I, I guess I have access to it, but now I have to go watch a whole movie and, you know, look up Wikipedia and Google and figure out who these women are. When we all have access to this Bible, this is supposed to be a biblical book. Even if I don't know the story of Tamar, you referenced it. You told me where to go look for it. Right. So I could go read this and then read what you have to say about it. Right. But you don't want to do that. So you're going to pull in this fictional story that fits your agenda. This and was, I've never yeah. seen it. So you can twist it. I don't know that you're telling me the right thing about this movie and these women. Yes. And why are we relying on Hollywood fiction to 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 explain what real world relationships should look like, right? I mean, isn't right. this the critique of fundamentalism? We can't be like the world; we have to be separate. But this book, and same thing with Wallet Heart, pulls on so many movie references. Yep. That is so unhelpful for real world shit. It, it doesn't help you to to say, well, be like William Wallace and Braveheart. It's like what, like 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 the dramatized fictional version of this story. That's what I have to be like? Uh, how do I even do that in a culture in 2022 where, where, where I'm not going to war, you know, down the road? You know what I mean? So, yeah, I, I totally agree with you on that. It's, it's a great point. Right. But then in 2021, right, these men did go to war. Yes. They did find yes. something to fight for and to go after. So then that's why I look at these books now and I'm like, oh, this is so... It's so insidious in a way and so dangerous in a way we just didn't see. But this is, these are the early seeds of the insurrection. Like, telling men they need to fight. They need to have something to fight, fight for. And instead of this being like, 
oh, I forgot where it is in here, but he says something about like, you know, the man is supposed to be like the woman's, be a shield for your woman. Ugh. And I'm like, all of this, inst- it, these books could have been <laughs> not written. We just didn't need them in the first place. But also like Wild of Heart, Wild at Heart could have been such a different thing if the whole thing was, you are the, honestly, you are the thing, men are the most dangerous thing to women. And if you want to fight for women, you want to do something for women, you need to get your shit together. Here's how you can be a more healthy, emotional male. Right. Here's what you can do to become a better man so that women don't need protecting from you. Like, don't be my shield. I don't need you to be my shield. I need you to be something I don't need to be shielded from. Mm-hmm. But in setting up, setting up men to need, we have, they have to have something to fight for. They have to they just have this aggression. They have this violence. They have to get it out somewhere. Right. So now, and all of these, all of these movies, all of these examples, very white, very mm-hmm. male, yeah. Yeah. very colonizing. Yes. You know, very, we're taking back something, we're fighting some other people group, we're doing something. That's how you get to the insurrection. Where it's all these men who feel like I have to protect my women, I have to protect my ideology, whatever it is, and I have to have something to fight. So, I don't like how this election turned out. Yep. This is my portion. Yep. yep. I'm going to go fight. No, that's a great point. I mean, while at heart, he says that, right? Every man has a, a battle to fight and a beauty to rescue. That's kind of the phrasing that he uses. You know, and I find the battle language, especially with how it's applied in our culture, like really priming for things like the insurrection, right? It's, it's deep in our psyche that, that, that men are just always aggressive. And we, like you said, we, we have to fight for something or fight for someone, and, and again, you know, I think what makes this so insidious is that I think that in a way there could be a, a, a grain of truth to that, right? Like, for example, you know, if someone, a, a man, <laughs> most likely, breaks into my house, I'm not going to send my five foot three wife downstairs. That would be really unhealthy, okay, and bad. Now, I'm going to be scared shitless, but I'm going to go down there and do whatever I got to do to protect my kids and my family, right? Okay. I understand, yes. Uh, there might be times where that is needed, a battle to fight, if you will, okay? But this idea that right. in the culture, there's a battle that I as a man have to be fighting for. I have to be fighting for, you know, my cultural values, my ideology from this other threat, right? right? This idea, it's really been, it, it, like you said, it comes down to colonization, supremacy issues. Now, like you said, I don't even know if 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 John Eldridge or I think his I'm not sure of her name I think it's Stacy I'm not sure if they're even aware that 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 they're promoting that culture but this whole monogamous heterosexual normativity position uh, this whole view of the gender roles being expressed the way that they are this whole idea of having kids and raising you know warriors and princesses to be rescued whether they realize it or not, does perpetuate a culture of colonization. You know, this, this, is, this is not a biblical take in the sense of what the Bible advocates for. This is really like an imperialistic European take on the family uh, mm-hmm. that really has been adapted for 2022, or, well, you know, whatever the book was written, 2010, America. And so, I, again, I don't think every single thing in this book is, is bad, but when it presents as the only way to be normal— quote unquote, 
I think you run into a lot of problems. And it's not a one-size-fits-all approach. People are all different. People's relationships look different. Some people have different different personality types than others. You're not a bad woman if you tend to be more of a take-charge type of human. You're not a bad man if you tend to be like, yeah, I'm going with the flow. I have no problem following along, man. That doesn't make you any less feminine or masculine, but this book would tell you otherwise. It will tell you, no, that's wrong. And you as a man have to step up and you as a woman have to realize that you're taken from man's rib and you're there to serve man. And that's when we get into some really dangerous ideology that ends up creating a lot of harm. And it does because it's, again, it is imperialistic. It is this very nuclear family kind of view of things. And this is the ultimate and this is what we're trying to get to. And you have, you will find your place in that somewhere at some point. But then, like, as a single woman, as someone who doesn't particularly merit, ah, fine, but not really, not really, not really looking for that. It just, I don't know. So, so who am I out here? Am I the desolate, demanding woman? Because I can't be the arousing one because that's nothing but trouble. But it's like, I don't. They have these weird places where they're trying to say, I mean, they, they've literally said, well, Eve was created for Adam. So a woman was created for man. And you will find your completeness in that. But then also there's a lot of single women in Christianity. So they're like, how can we backpedal this? What, what can we say? But you, you will find your beauty and worth in your husband, God, your, your bridegroom, God. Let him, let him romance you. That's not weird at all. No, totally normal. It just it just does not does not leave room. And so then they have this this part towards the end where they talk talking to single women and all these things. Be careful, you do not offer too much of yourself to a man until you have good solid evidence he is a strong man willing to commit. So then again that just assumes that's what every woman wants in every at every stage of life. But this is this is the the mindset that all romance is for marriage and needs to be leading to that. So maybe he's willing to commit. Look at his track record with other women. And I was like, how? How? What track record is a man allowed to have with other women? What is his track record gonna gonna tell me? Because if mm. he's a good man, then he's not supposed to have one. Right. 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 And if he has one, then that's all I need to know. Like, he's got right. a track record. So. Right. Peace. But again, <laughs> this book is not written in the real world. You guys, you're mm. just saying things. You're just saying anything. I don't know what the word count you were trying to get to was, <laughs> but you were just, you're just saying anything. Well, you, you asked earlier, what type of woman are you who's single and not really interested in dating or maybe being with someone long term? Don't worry. The book has an answer yeah. for you. I mentioned Annie yeah. in the horse whisperer. Don't listen to Tim, guys. I never said I'm not interested in dating. <laughs> Sorry, long term marriage, marriage. marriage. <laughs> I here, here's what the book says about you, uh, Janice. I mentioned Annie in the mm-hmm. horse whisperer as an example of a dominating, emasculating woman. She needs nothing from her man. <laughs> she has life under control. She wears the pants in the family. Her message is clear: you are weak and untrustworthy. I am strong. Let me lead things, and things will go fine. The effect on a man is not good. When a woman becomes controlling and not in the least vulnerable, her seductiveness is shut down. The message is, back off. I'll handle this. So there you are. That's you. You're in a dominating, emasculating woman because you don't want to be married. Are you emasculated right now? So emasculated. (laughs) 
Yes. I'm gonna I'm gonna cry after this and you know, have an affair with my because I feel emasculated. I don't know. I mean, yeah, exactly though, right? I mean, I, I think oh, one last thing we should mention. The, the this chapter does talk about like divorce briefly, but it doesn't it, it's not very clear about it does say it, it, it the book says in this chapter that if you're in an abusive relationship, that's not good. And kind of hints at like divorce might be a good option. Glad to hear it, but it doesn't go far enough in my opinion because there's another section where it talks about a verbally abusive man and essentially the, the take is hang on as long as you can until he divorces you. That's like literally what it says. Yeah. She gave him many tastes of what That's life it. could be yeah. like together if he would repent of his meanness. He chose not to. Like the story of Jesus with the rich young ruler, she let him walk away. So she didn't walk away. She just let him out of the relationship. So I, I do think that perpetuates that same kind of idea of you know, women have to kind of hang in there as long as possible until their man wants to leave, and then they're off the hook. Right. Yeah, I wanted to mention that. Yeah, because all of womanhood is basically suffering. Like, you, you are here to suffer, and that, that, is your, that is your lot due to the curse. You are going to be suffering either because you don't have a man and you're trying to get one, yeah. or because you got one, but he hasn't found the answer to his question yet, and so you've got to be there to to help him become a man, become a better man, you know, and wait wait it out while he's while he's awful. This book is so so dark, and I was mad because I'm no Janice. Janice made an appearance in this chapter. I was like, how did my name get in here? I saw that she was married to the <laughs> fitting. It's prophetic. The dull man. Maybe. Um, yeah, and then, yeah, so then that whole story, she seduces him, lays it all on thick for one night, seduces him, and then he comes home the next day and wants the same thing, and she's like, wait. Oh, yeah, wait, I remember that. Hold on. Oh, I got to find it now, because I read that, I'm like, like, holy smokes, this is horrible. Yeah, um, this is another, another cringe, cringe monologue. Oh, I got to find it now. Yeah. Well, I'm going to do it worse. Uh, okay. <laughs> Let me find... I can't find the, the story, but you're absolutely right. The story in the book about Janice is... is uh, I mean, people can read it. It's, it's available, you know, if, if they want to get traumatized for fun. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not going to read that whole seduction. Cringe, cringe, cringe. <laughs> he comes home the next night, tries to get at her again, and then she said... No, she stopped him. Why do you want me? Is it only for my body? Yeah. Or are you pursuing my heart? That's right. I long to give myself to you, but you need to give yourself to me. Mm. I want your heart in this marriage, not just your laundry. Wow. What? And then it's... they lived happily ever after. I mean, it reads, it reads like a Disney movie, right? Like, there's this crazy crisis. The wife concocts this crazy plan, and then it's supposed to work, I guess. Mm -hmm. Uh, so instead of just communicating, Sue. right, right. Yeah, exactly. So instead of what could have been solved in like, you know, one conversation, you have an hour and a half long movie about a problem that, you know, becomes this massive thing and has this crazy climax. And then the husband's like, wow, that was such a brilliant trap you laid for me. I will now change how you want me to. And then boom, they're all happy. <laughs> right. Uh. Because, because climax, because right, sex, right, because right. that's. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. Um, That's it. And then it ended with like this thing, and this is where this book, you're like, okay, this, this, 
not terrible, I guess, because they kind of broached like, all right, we're not we're not Billy Graham rule here, so men and women can interact, <laughs> but I don't know. So so I can my feminine my femininity my feminine strength can arouse your masculine strength God. in helpful ways. That maybe Sarah can't, so like we're podcasting together right now. That's something Sarah can't do. But I can lend you some of my femininity. We gotta find this, better this language. Can all work. <laughs> How about this? We're friends and we bring out a different side of each other's lives that maybe our partners can't always or don't want to do. Sarah has no desire to podcast. No, no. No, the words we have to use, the words we have been given, are arouse, <laughs> allure, and entice. Which is what you did to get me on the show. You you emailed me. You invited me on. You gave me a I chapter to read. You. I <gasps> I had been seduced. <laughs> oh, Janice, how do we end up here? It's. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, I had one closing thought. Well, well, I'm not done with you yet. Almost. I'm bad. Go on. Because it... No, I think, well, my closing thought was just, yeah, this whole section on men and women friendship. Kind of, but then not really. Because then also, like, there's this weird story where she gets... Uh, a, mean, a woman is mean to her, and then she has to go to another man. Her husband's not there, but she goes to this other man to pray for her, and he wards the evil spirits away i guess so she couldn't she couldn't do that on her own she needed this man to do it whatever and then it ends with <laughs> so how do i love a man entice him blah 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 whatever perhaps you've heard the old story attributed to aesop about the argument between the north wind and the sun it might help you get past your concern so like all of these things are like well how do i do this and they're like, well, we don't really know. We can't really tell you. But here's this helpful little tale to help you figure it out. And then I read the story, and I'm like, what? This What? This does not help anything at all. This cleared nothing up. But again, you didn't have time for the story of Tamar. But you put this whole-ass stupid fable at the end of this chapter and just left more confusion. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. not helpful. Not helpful at all. So that was my closing thought. So now. Thank you. Uh, thank you for. Entice me. Yeah, yes. Allure me. Here I go. <clears throat> First off, I want to say thank you for enticing me and alluring me into this podcast. I really appreciate that. Uh, an, hour and a, an hour and a half or almost an hour and a half is, is great. So my, my final thought is we covered a lot. And I think, I think it should be noted that that if two people find this type of advice helpful for their marriage and they're both happy and flourishing, that is great. But this is definitely not the only, or even I would argue the primary way I would I would advocate for a healthy relationship, right? And I say that because like my parents have a really great marriage and they would fall more in this kind of like maybe way of thinking, not not this enchanted nonsense, but just kind of more of like, you know, masculine, feminine, more of that Americanized Christianity. And they're really happy. They have a great marriage. They're thrilled. They get along wonderful. That's great. But for those of us out there who maybe grew up on this, 
this is not helpful, I think, for a lot of people uh, for a lot of reasons. And so if you don't fit into the mold of captivating and wild at heart, if you're not a William Wallace, if you're kind of scared to go to war, because I don't know, you have a family and don't want to die, that's a normal feeling, and you're not a coward for thinking that. I just want to put that out there. And like you said, you know, if you're not interested in, in being married, that's fine. Like, you don't have to do that. So I just think that's important to recognize. You know, like, this stuff is overall, I would argue, this is more influenced by modern perception of romantic, of, of, of like Hollywood and, and the, 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 the Disney trope, right, of, like, poor princess needs strong prince to rescue them. Then, then I think it is even biblically founded in a lot of ways i think that really the the mentality of this is let's make disney a real theology by pulling bible verses and also disneyfying them like in the story of of ruth and boaz right uh and therefore and then we'll right. say this is how god designed things i just think ultimately that is too narrow of a god <laughs> that's way too narrow of, of i think the, the diversity of relationships and the complexity of sex and intimacy and how people find f- fulfillment and flourishment. So there are definitely better paths forward. That, that's my final thought. Jeez. <laughs> Perhaps you have heard the old story attributed to Aesop about the argument between the North Wind and the Sun. It might help you get past your concern. The North Wind and the Sun had an argument one day. They disputed which of them was the stronger. A traveler came along the road at that time and the Sun suggested a way to resolve the argument. Whoever was able to cause the traveler to remove his coat would be the stronger. The wind accepted the challenge and the sun hid himself behind a cloud. The wind began to blow. Yet the harder he blew, the more the traveler clutched his coat about himself. The wind sent rain, even hail. The traveler clung even more desperately to his coat. Finally, in despair, the wind gave up. The sun came out and began to shine in all his glory upon the traveler. Quite soon the man had removed his coat. How did you do that? Asked the wind. It was easy, said the sun. I lit the day. Through gentleness I got my way. The north wind and the sun. So looking at this book from the perspective that everything is permissible. Anybody can write a book. We can't stop them. Uh, But not everything is beneficial. On a scale from 1 to 10, 10 beneficial for everyone. Go get it. This will help you rescue your beauty, answer your question, all of the things. Down to 1 harmful for everyone. There is no beauty. The wildness is just danger. Where would you put this book? I'm going to go I'm going to go with a 3. Mm-hmm. I would say it's it is is it th- Listen, there's some good things you might read and say, "Oh, that's helpful." But but you can find those things in much better books. So I'm going to say it's a solid three for me. And then I'm going to throw another, yeah, just a curveball at you. As a a boy dad, what is something you know you're going to do differently, or I don't know, just how how are you going to raise your boys to not write books like this one day? <laughs> I mean, it's hard, but I just want to be honest with them, you know, and, 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 and not be afraid to have conversations that make them think a little bit. And hopefully, hopefully between my wife and I, we, we model a relationship of, of mutual, 
you know, family and not one person lording over the other uh, or dehumanizing the other. And hopefully they can see that, you know. And I think obviously that tends to be more of a, I think on average in my experience, I think men uh, in those relationships tend to be the more the problematic one in that way. So hopefully my boys can just see that, you know, uh, there's a way to live in harmony with someone else that is complicated and not perfect, but willing to do the best to seek the human flourishing of the other. That's what I hope, but you know, it's, it's early to say. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So instead of captivating, what is something, a book, movie, music, anything that is women constructed and or focused that you would recommend? Well, I know that there was the book by Sheila Gregor, The Great Sex Rescue, that a lot of people seem to really love. I've had her on the podcast a few times. She seems nice, but man, there's so much. There's so many There's so many great books. Uh, I mean, Anthea Butler has a great book, uh, White Evangelical Racism. That's just a mind-blowing read on, on the history uh, in America on that. Uh, so I think those are two books. And then also, let's see, a good movie. Oh, before I... I say, let me make sure, let me make sure it's, it's who I thought actually directed it. One second. Uh, yeah. I love the movie The Hurt Locker, directed by Catherine Bigelow. Oh. That's a great, that, that's 2008, so it's a little old now, but that was just a freaking awesome, suspenseful movie that I really enjoyed. So I, I think I think it won some, some pretty decent awards. So that would be a great woman movie. Oh, and also 1946, the movie. Uh, directed by by Rocky uh, that is coming out about how the word homosexual got into the Bible. So I, I think those are all some great, uh, you know, women constructed movies and books that are worth, are worth checking out. All right, good stuff. Any any final thoughts? Any anything you want to say? Thank you, you for like alluring to... me. It worked. Yeah, entice or <laughs> anyone before you go. Yeah, yeah, that's all I got. And I mean, I'll be talking to you soon because I've enticed you, right, to to be part of a project on our end. So yeah, just yeah. mutual enticement all around, I guess. <laughs> I, don't, I don't freaking know. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I really appreciated it. Always happy to be aroused by you, Tim. <laughs> and that's that. Thank you for dropping in on the Bad Book Club. I certainly hope you had a better time listening than we did reading. Bad Words is an irreverent media podcast, the Legata Scratch production, and a God is not given side hustle. Produced by Janice Legata and made possible by the generous support of Jodley and Jodwilling patrons like Dance into Deliverance. Thank you. Dance into if Deliverance. If you're enjoying this season, please let the people know by leaving a rating or a review on the podcast platform of your choice. And if you're looking for a better book experience, ask Amazon about The Grift of God and or The Divide by me, Janice Legata. And until we meet again, take care of you and be well. This has been an episode of Bad Words, but to finish up, here are some good ones. I think people might say this is generic, but the patriarchal like mentality, especially in evangelical spaces, that that is still there. Where, where women can't, they can't lead, they can't teach, they can't preach. Man, incredibly we're just missing it's incredibly harmful but also it cuts us off from the beauty and diversity of god <laughs> like what if we need that perspective to help us kind of fill out the picture of of divine love especially considering if we're going to go fundamentalist the bible refers to god as mother many times many times it's it, it, and that makes sense because if god is being if god just is then that would mean that 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 from the 
the the spectrum of feminine uh, feminine and masculine all the gray is is part of that divine being that we all that life is sourced from so i just think that we're really doing so much harm to our fellow humans and also to ourselves to just create these systems where men mainly white men have to lead and anyone in proximity to their whiteness is benefited but anyone who resists it is is hurt